It's often a bit mystifying how brands magically go viral overnight. Sometimes they make it big, and other times they crash and burn. Is the road to brand fame and a bump to the bottom line worth the risk? I'm Alexis. And I'm Melissa. And we're just a little obsessed with these marketing moments. So join us as we break down the craziest brand stunts, from how the idea sparked to how the heck they pulled it off. Or didn't, and of course, will it stick? <laughs> Hola! Como estas? <laughs> we're like back from Mexico. We both were in Mexico, separate trips. And I have to tell you, when I get into Mexico, this is how I know I'm truly from, supposed to be Mexican, not Greek. I dream in Spanish. Isn't that cool? That is actually amazing. I know. I love so it. So can you imagine me like, blah, 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 blah. No, I really can't. <laughs> but on the trip I was just on in Cabo, I was with some other friends and Lindsay and I decided that on the DL, so all the listeners will know, but like my husband probably doesn't listen and neither does like her husband. So <laughs> we are going to like download Babbel and we're going to become so fluent in Spanish before our trip next July that we're just going to like whip it out and our husbands are going to be like, what? What? Oh yeah. The last trip when we went to San Carlos, we had a disaster at one of the restaurants and I had a couple margaritas and all of a sudden it Spanish like, comes out. I was like yelling at the waiters in, or the owner in Spanish. I'm like, dude, we've been here for three hours. What's going on? What's on with their kitchen? Blah, blah, blah. And it was like, ¿Qué pasó? Mi niños está hombre. Yeah, it's good. You're good at Spanish. So is my husband. He's pretty good. But I just like, I want to, my kids are in Spanish immersion. I just want to learn it. What did you say? Babel? Babel. Oh, I do Duolingo. Oh yeah, Babbel's cool. They like it's super easy, and they like have great deals and stuff. Oh cool! I started to do it during the pandemic, and then I was just I didn't do it. Okay, so. well maybe we can do one episode in Spanish. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that might need to wait a little bit. But I do want to ask you a quick question. Like, how did you sleep last night? How did I sleep last night? I slept great, and then I woke up to an absolute shit show in my house. So, you know. At least I got a normal day. (laughs) Normal day in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, you know, I have like a little insomnia issue. So sleep has always been like a little battle I fight. But I have to say that a good mattress can make all the difference. Oh my gosh. My cousin just got a new mattress and she would not stop talking about it. Which one is it? Name a couple of them. Purple. No. Tufton Needle. Casper. No, it's a new one. There's a lot of mattress companies. Yeah. It's one of those like new trendy ones, which I don't yeah. know if we're talking about one of those today. We might be. Where's the last place that you bought a mattress from? I mean, Tuft & Needle. I freaking love Tuft & Needle. So I haven't bought one from them yet, but we're building a house right now. So I'm going to have to get a few new mattresses and I'm thinking about ordering from them. I mean, we spent a ton of money on our Sealy Postopedic foam. Fancy, whatever, fancy, fancy. Comes in 10 different parts, whatever, for our first house we built. And then, you know, we needed a new mattress, like for the dual masters and the new one. Yeah. And I was like, there was on sale for 700 bucks for the king. Yeah. And I love sleeping in the twins' beds because they're so comfy. They're so comfy. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so, perfect little segue. In 2016, I remember driving down the street in Phoenix and like being really taken aback by a billboard that really captured my attention. Like even as a marketer with a marketer's brain, I'm not easily amused. Let's okay. put it that way. It was all black like the billboard was and it was in a sans serif white font and it read, 
Mattress stores are greedy, period. Learn the truth, and then it directed you to TN.com. Oh, I remember them. Yeah. Yeah. So I was intrigued. I mean, even more so as I continued my drive and I saw these ads everywhere. There were billboards, there were bus shelters. And then like, because I was talking about it, you know, or searching in my phone, I was quickly targeted with ads like on my computer and my phone with the same messaging. And it was a little shocking just because it felt like it was ousting an industry that in my opinion, and probably in a lot of people's opinions, is overrun with like slimy, cheesy salespeople in these giant warehouse stores, the traditional way of buying a mattress, right? Yeah. I mean, I also think the traditional way of buying a mattress is so weird. Like, I think we were at living spaces or we were somewhere and like just people just lay on the beds, like a bunch of people. It's creepy. Ew. So as a geriatric millennial, <laughs> I honestly can't say that I've ever struggled with buying a mattress the traditional way because you and me are the same. Like, I don't know if you did this with your parents when you were little. My parents would drag us mattress shopping or furniture shopping. I just remember endless hours, boring, sitting there. They had gloomy faces. It was like a horrific experience. And that experience alone was enough to make me just like, when I first bought my own mattress, so like probably, because I always had a hand-me-down from like college or my mom's house or whatever. So when I moved in with my husband and we were buying mattresses, we went to Costco. I'm like, screw the traditional. I'm not doing what my parents did. So I think we bucked that trend probably because like, we just were horrified by it, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember, so I also had hand-me-downs, but I remember when my parents went to buy, I think we stayed at some hotel, I don't know if it's Four Seasons or whatever, and my dad and Monica were obsessed with this mattress, and they're like, we have to buy it. And I think they called them to buy it, and they're like, you can go to Macy's to buy it. And we did the same thing, like laying on these beds. God, I wish I remember the name of it. But that mattress, this is so gross, was handed down to me from them, in the move, Andrew forgot to tie it down in his truck and it I remember. flew off into the freaking freeway. Yeah. Had all these needles. We had to pluck them out with tweezers. And I still slept on that thing. Gross. <laughs> you did tell me that story before. That's so funny. Well, I mean, I still, like, despite not buying a mattress the traditional way, I knew the stigma well. And I knew these ads were, like, totally bold, right? Yeah. And I was intrigued and I didn't even wait to get back to my office. Like I went to TN.com on my phone probably when I was driving, but probably at a stoplight. And I learned about Tuft & Needle. Today, Tuft & Needle has a crazy cool success story. And that campaign is really where it all, I mean, took off from, I believe. In less than 10 years after founding the company in 2012, Tuft & Needle has approximately 200 million in annual revenue. And it all started with two friends, just like you and me. JT Marino and Dahi Park. Did I say that right, do you think? Yeah, Dahi Park. Dahi Park. They both quit their engineering jobs and invested $3,000 each to start the company. And you know I love a good founding story. I know, I love it. 3000 that's it. 6000 total, like wow. 3000 each. And this story is no different. It's amazing. I mean, JT had just gotten married and he and his new bride decided to go mattress shopping. Sounds like a great day. Maybe they did a little Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond, <laughs> yeah. you know. I don't know. I don't, know. I don't know if they had enough time. But they went to the mattress store. They did have time for that. And they walked out of the store feeling flustered and disgusted at the experience. Not to mention the fact that they had just spent $3,300 on some ultra-luxury, fancy-schmancy mattress, and they hated it, and they couldn't really return it. Yeah, I mean, you can't really return your 
that's the thing. Like a there was never like a guarantee to return mattresses. No, not before that. Yeah. These. And JT was complaining about the horrific experience to his friend, Dehi. And they both started to investigate the world of mattresses. And of course, as engineers, the first thing they did was like, try to design some fancy mattress. Well, they tore it apart first. They like, they wanted to just like see what was inside. What were all the parts? Like, why was this mattress $3,300? Okay. What was so special about it? So they took it apart and then they talked to some suppliers about like how much it would cost to make the exact same model. Can you guess how much they found out it would cost? Uh, okay. 3,300. I don't know. thousand, three hundred dollars What? That's a thousand percent markup. Dang. We're in the wrong business. (laughs) That's literally, I'm like, how do we get in that business? Those profit margins, like Whoa. Whoa, that's insane. So that was the moment that the pair knew they had to lean into this like revelation and start a mattress company. So at the time, the mattress industry was a $15 billion industry dominated by all the corporate like S brands, Sealy, Serta, and Simmons. <laughs> like why are they all S's? I don't know. It was weird. weird. And they decided to create a super simple business a single high-quality foam mattress made in America and sold direct to consumers. No commission-based salespeople, no hassles for returning, and no gimmicks. Brilliant. Yeah. So the prices originally ranged from $350 for a twin and $750 for a king, which I think is still the price today. Yeah. Like $750 for a king. I'm telling you, that's insane. And a cow king is like pretty much the same price too, I saw. Yeah. Crazy. So in Tuft & Needle's first year in business, they did a million in revenue, which that's pretty dang impressive. Wow. Yeah. And the growth skyrocketed from there. They hit $9 million in 2014, and in 2015, they hit $42 million. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh my crazy growth in one Again, year. wrong business. Yeah. So how did they do it? Like, clearly they solved a problem, but how did they convince customers to stop shopping the traditional way for a mattress and to buy a mattress sight unseen online. I mean, what we always talk about, when you start a company that's solving a problem for yourself, other people have to have that problem, right? I mean, everyone, like you said, hated the mattress buying experience, not to mention, I mean, what do you think during COVID? Did they oh, like God. have like plastic on them? Like how <laughs> would you even do that? It's so I, weird. I don't think they were an essential business. Oh yeah. Okay. I could be wrong. Well, you do need to sleep. So that's, that's maybe, they, essential. maybe it is essential. I don't know. But I think that, yeah, people just were like, oh my gosh, we don't have to go to these mattress stores. We don't have to lay on them. But the crazy thing is how would they know? People are skeptical because you know, you spend how many hours sleeping? Totally. It's like the most important thing. And that's what mattress people sell you, by the way, when we bought our first one, they were like, this is an investment in your sleep. Think about how many hours you spend in your bed. And you're like brainwashed to think, oh yeah, I should spend this much money. And they like amortize it over the year of how many hours you sleep. And you're like, that does make sense. So I'm going to spend 3,300 bucks. I actually read a little bit ago that Kanye West has a $400,000 mattress. So Has, is it Hastings or Hastings? I, I think always it's ha- forget because it's the A with the two dots yeah. over it. So they are a Swedish-based mattress company. Actually, there's for sure future that you should cover since I did this one, like episode on them. But their base model is basically like a $10,000 mattress, I think. I read somewhere recently that the owner said in 
Sweden and maybe in some other European countries, people spend more on their mattresses than they do on their car. It doesn't matter. You're not rich to buy a $10,000 mattress. You could drive a Honda Civic and save all your money. And like you think that's a normal investment because sleep is the most important thing in your life. And like, according to him, that's so normalized there. And in the US, it's interesting that we are okay like buying a $350 mattress and we don't normalize like spending that much. It's just interesting. Well, because, you know, in Europe, we learned this when we went to Greece. They say in America, we live to work and in Europe, they work to live. Yeah. Like it's just a total different mindset. Totally. Yeah. So we're psycho. We are psycho. <laughs> you For sure. But I don't think we need to tell anyone that. They will tell us. <laughs> so in 2015, Tuft & Needle was growing and was very profitable, but they were ready to take it to the next level. They were prepared to go directly against their competitors with a truth-telling campaign that made them look like the heroes of the mattress industry. They wanted to spark conversation with a bold campaign that would grow organically through word of mouth like due to its controversy. Yeah. So the campaign that ended up skyrocketing the brand was actually conceived in JT's apartment with Tim Hargis, who I don't know if you've met him yet, but he's such a cool dude. I've had the pleasure of having coffee with him. He's here in Phoenix. And actually, the brand was founded here in Phoenix. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So Tim was then the VP of marketing and business development for the brand. Tim explained that despite the revenue growth, as they started going into more of like out-of-home marketing for brand awareness, they realized that Tuft & Needle was a mouthful. Like it was hard to pronounce and it was really hard to spell. And Tuft, like T-U-F-T, is not a term that most people are familiar with. It's kind of yeah. like a furniture term, yeah, a textile term. And it always gets confused with Tough, T-O-U-G-H. Okay. So when they expanded to out-of-home marketing, like mainstream channels, they started to see the challenges the name had. And it definitely didn't pass the radio test. Like, you couldn't say it clearly and know what they were saying. And the reality is, like, when it comes to billboards, you're super constrained with space. So, like, if you have a longer domain, like tuftandneedle.com, and you shrink it, you can't read it in a car when you're driving 70 miles an hour. Exactly. I, but that was brilliant when they did that. Domain. Yes, yes. So when they did their initial evaluations for their first out-of-home campaign, they found that people were Googling things like needle mattress or tough and needle, like T-O-U-G-H yeah. and needle. So clearly like confusion. Because of that, the brand's initial out-of-home campaigns did not perform well at all. Really? That's mm -hmm. shocking. When they didn't have this campaign, before they launched the Mattressers Are Greedy, they were using the full tuftandneedle.com campaign. Okay. And it just did not have the same traction. I mean, at the same time, like on, at the balancing metric of this, like they realized they didn't want to rebrand the company because after just four years in business, they already had some really good brand recognition and they had so many reviews. I mean, reviews played a huge role in the early success of this company. Yeah. They, they really like crushed it when it came to customer reviews online and changing the name like you would lose that. Well, and I'm curious if I mean, I don't really remember. Maybe this just made me think of it, but Tuft and Needle, like I feel like they also set like a trend with their name because all of a sudden after they came out, there's like all these names with two different names combined, like, you know, and we just recently named that restaurant Harbor and Sky. Yeah, like there's so many 
two names put together yeah. for a brand, yeah. which I wonder if they like were the trendsetters. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't look into like the etymology of how they came up with the name, but I do like it. I think it's catchy. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't want to rebrand, but they did think, you know, maybe we should pursue a shorter domain. And the options they had in front of them were either tan.com, so T-A-N.com, which would be tuft and needle. But they knew people would read it as the word tan, like versus an acronym. And that would just be a cluster. They'd be like, yeah. what is tan.com? Like spray tan? What is it? You know, cancer yeah. or something? Like, so they looked at tn.com and tn.co. And of course, tn.co was significantly cheaper. I mean, for obvious reasons. Like you really don't want a .co or .biz. Like you need a .com. Dot com. But tn.com was insanely expensive. Two-letter domains are the most high-demand domains you can get. It's called a premium domain. And the reason is there's natural credibility built into a brand that has a short domain like that because consumers assume that you have to have been around for a long time to have gotten that domain. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I was like, why would... That's really confusing. I would never have thought Two-letter domains are super, super premium because for marketing purposes, like, it is so amazing. So they started going down the path of, like, how can they acquire this domain? Tim was kind of undercover at this point. Like, it wasn't public online that he was working for the company. So he negotiated for the domain with the domain, like, reseller, whoever owned it at the time. And he wasn't doing it as Tuft & Needle because Tuft & Needle was already very successful. So if the company knew who was trying to buy it, he thought for sure like they'd be price gouged even more. Wow. You know? So finally, they acquired TN.com in 2015 for an undisclosed amount. But I'm guessing, based on some research, that it was between 500 grand and a million bucks for that domain. So Aaron, if you're listening, you're brilliant. <laughs> You buying all those domains, you're going to be rich. Yep. Erin's <laughs> our senior copywriter, and she's like a domain collector. Which is so interesting. It is. But look at this. I know. 500 so, to a million bucks? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, my guess, but I feel like it's not far off. Okay. So Tim explained that they were growing fast, but they didn't have a lot of cash. So it made, like, forking out that insane amount of money for a domain kind of stressful on the brand. But they knew if they waited to invest in that domain, like that was really the only option that could make sense, they would screw themselves. Because once the domain sells to somebody and someone starts building brand equity on that, or they realize it could be used for a bigger brand, like or a competitor, a competitor buy it. buys yeah. it, like it's gone forever. You can't get it back. So Tim said they realized like if they were going to be investing 15 to 20% of their net revenue on marketing, like they had to get a domain people could remember. Yeah. And easily type in. So they justified it. And that's a critical lesson for any brand to keep in mind. Like invest early in like those assets that you know like you have to eventually have because they're not going to get less expensive down the road. They're going to get more expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many people are like, oh, we can make this domain work. But like, you know, again, I think if you really are passionate about it and you know that that domain is going to make your brand successful, like they knew, like you said, the two-letter domain shows that they have more credibility as a brand. Totally. I mean, they, the risk was worth it yeah. in my mind. So they acquired the domain and then they started rethinking the marketing strategy. So now we're back to where we started with the story. Tim and JT are in JT's Phoenix apartment. I imagine they're like having a whiskey. I don't know. I don't know what they drink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, probably whiskey. <laughs> probably. And they were discussing how they knew they had to pop through the noise of all the other advertising that was out there. 
And they reflected on the fact that the company was started because they wanted to disrupt the mattress industry because it was shady and it sucked. And they realized if they were willing to talk like about how crappy the industry was privately, why the heck wouldn't they do it publicly? Yeah. Like just live your truth. Live your truth. You know? Be your be yourself. Be your most authentic self. So that's when they came up with what could be considered one of the most aggressive marketing campaigns that we've ever seen. The campaign featured taglines that said, mattress stores are greedy, and honk if you think mattress stores are greedy. And the call to action was always learn the truth, and then it would direct customers to TN.com. And this campaign officially launched in 2016. I wonder if they ever like set up cameras to see if people honked. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm sure they did some cool stuff. My kids, now that they can read, when they see like honked, like, mom, honk. <laughs> so the ads were simple, straightforward, and they really seemed more like PSA style than a straight ad, don't they? Yeah. With only the TN.com website and that indiscreet TN logo, which is like the ampersand, really, a customer would not immediately associate these ads with Tuft & Needle, like unless they were already very familiar with the brand. So... I'm pretty sure that was 100% the point. I mean, this seemed like a PSA, like to educate, not to sell. And then they were, the call to action was learn the truth. So like, that seems like, it's so smart. Yeah, it's so smart. You know? And I love, I have a picture here, Lex. I don't know if you can see it. I'm cracking up. (laughs) I wonder if there was like a war going on when that billboard went up. Do you want to explain it? So it says, honk if you think mattress stores are greedy, learn the truth, TN.com. And it's huge above Brooklyn Bedding. And the crazy part is Brooklyn Bedding's logo is black and white too. So it's just like a major dig. Like I can't even imagine the people in Brooklyn Bedding. Like they probably were like, what? But how funny, they probably didn't notice it until some employee went out there and was like, what? <laughs> Did you see this? Oh, man. You know. And guess what happened next? What? They invested a ton of money into that premium domain, and then they launched this provocative advertising campaign, and instantly, Tuft & Needle's ROAS, which if you're not a marketer, return on ad spend, went up significantly for its out-of-home campaign immediately, like overnight, and at the same time, overall customer acquisition cost decreased. I mean, that's like the dream. The dream. So it was the simple design, the message was hard hitting and customers remembered TN.com. It was truly the perfect storm for the brand. And in order to really track the success of like just that out of home, Tuft & Needle was careful to only drive out of home placements to TN.com and they kept all of their digital traffic going to tuftandneedle.com. So instantly they could see the out of home was performing. Yeah. Better. And they segmented that traffic and measured each individually. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. So Tim said in another interview that he did that upgrading the domain was the best decision the brand ever made. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's so funny because, you know, we do a lot of -of out-of-home advertising and, you know, our designers design based on the brand and what we think our clients want. And I know we just recently presented a campaign with very simple wording and Clients are like nervous to just put like this basic wording. They think they need imagery. They think they need all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because billboards like this, consumers 
are drawn to it yeah. because they're curious because it's so different than all the noise you see, right? Yeah. It's like you're shocked. And that's what I remember with their first original ads. They're like, a black billboard? I know. And I read something else about the fact that the reason this campaign was so successful besides the simplicity was like, it truly played on customers' actual emotions, like of how they felt about this shady industry. And no one else had really done that before, like spoken directly to the consumer and made the consumer feel like, you get me. <laughs> Ooh, I can't wait till you learn about our campaign we came up with yesterday. For who? For current meditation. Ooh, I'm It just... does just that. And I'm so pumped. Oh, good. I can't wait. So, you know, really the advertising or this short domain made all of their advertising much more effective and it helped build deeper brand equity. And I thought that was so interesting. I mean, Tim explained that, like I said earlier, consumers do make assumptions about a brand when they see that short two-letter domain. Yeah. They assume it's a big, well-established company because it's usually just the long-standing brands who have those premium domains. It's natural credibility right away for a four-year-old brand. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I found a case study online from the Outdoor Advertising Association of America about some of the results from this Tuft and Needle outdoor campaign. It said that the campaign was launched in Phoenix, San Fran, San Antonio, Las Vegas, Kansas City, Orlando, Charlotte, Baltimore, and Detroit. And the brand spent an average of 40K per month per market. And it was done like market by market, month by month. So they would roll one out for a month and then roll the next one out, you know, and like keep it going that way. Phoenix was first for obvious reasons. It said that once the campaign was launched in a new market, there was a dramatic rise in new users and website visits. So one example is the campaign went live in Orlando on May 16th, 2017. And then from May 16th of that year to July 12th of that year, just two months, website traffic increased by more than 4,000%. What? And had <gasps> 16,000 new users. Oh my God. And the increase in web traffic and users averaged around 3,000% across all markets just from the outdoor campaign. Okay. That's I don't think anyone knows this, but I'm like such a website traffic nerd. I get so excited when even our clients, like their website traffic skyrockets. I mean, the real result is who is buying, but I mean, those numbers are crazy. I know they're so impressive. So remember the campaign first launched in 2016 when I believe the brand's revenue was about a hundred million. So by the end of the next year, in the end of 2017, the company had 170 million in sales. Oh my God. And that is from the advertising campaign. I mean, they invested 14 million in media during that same year. So that is some serious growth. Oh my, serious. Know? And so is Tim, I know you're Tim gonna... is gone. Well, they sold and I'll explain. And now he's on to much other cool things. And for our other idea we have in the future, I kind of told him a long time ago about that. Our other little like, Side project. Side project we want to do. He is going to be a good resource for us. Yeah. Good. So another interesting thing that Tuft & Needle did was analyze the data. Data is the name of the game, people. Yes. So they realized that their marketing was working so well to drive customers of all demographics to their site. But some customers, like kind of like you mentioned earlier, the older ones, they were landing on the site, but they weren't buying. Like they wanted to touch and see. Which is interesting. So I don't know if they had this early on, but they have that guarantee that if you don't like it, you can return it. Yeah, still it. easy returns. But I still think there's an old school mentality of, you know, some people who just really want to like feel good about it. And isn't it if you return it, like they don't actually like reuse it. They donate it. I'm pretty which sure. Which is really cool. Yeah. 
I'm pretty sure that's the thing. So instead of sticking to their original plan of being online only, they swallowed their pride and they used that data to tell them, let's open a test showroom here in Phoenix. And it was kind of more like an Apple store than a mattress store. The salespeople were called guides and it was appointment only. Interesting. They help customers figure out exactly what they want, but they aren't focused on making the sale. Like they're focused on customer experience. Yeah. And so I believe you couldn't even buy it in the store. Like you had to go back online and buy it. Interesting. So they would still drive all the traffic to, you know. And I wonder what the percentage of actually, like what the age groups were. Because I just think my parents, even though I tell them how cool Tufty Needle is, they're just, you know, they grew up with that old school mentality of like, again, the S brands. Yeah. Those are the brands you buy and then you go into the store. Yeah. I mean, I think they have converted a lot of those old school people, but probably because people like us bought them for our parents. And or we bought them and are like, they slept in our beds, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So they ended up eventually opening a number of showrooms. I saw that in 2018 they had seven locations, and I'm not sure what the number is today, but I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Because they could have easily just been like, nope, we're online only, but they listened to the data, and they just did it. Yeah. Smart. So do you remember hearing anything else that might have happened because of the Mattress Stores Are Greedy campaigns? No. Okay. Maybe something related to like how their competition, like those big, bad, greedy mattress stores reacted? Do no. remember? No. Good. Well, let me tell you. So Mattress Firm, who was, and maybe still is, one of the largest U.S. retailers in the mattress market, filed a lawsuit in October 2017 against Tuft & Needle on the grounds of trademark infringement and false advertising. So basically, they believed that Tuft & Needle was orchestrating a multi-state smear campaign against greedy mattress stores, in quotes. The lawsuit said that Tuft & Needle used mattress firm's likeness for its advertising campaigns, including one where they seemed to modify the mattress firm logo to display statements like Mattress Goliath, and another one said Mattress Bet, but that one actually is hilarious. I want to explain it. Okay. So Mattress Bet was a campaign that Tuft & Needle ran in which customers are reimbursed and paid an additional $100 if they choose to return their Tuft & Needle mattress in order to purchase a mattress firm one instead. Oh my gosh. They were like paying customers. They were like, nope, I like mattress firm better. They were like, I'll pay you if that's true. That's brilliant. (laughs) I know. So along with the lawsuit, mattress firm launched its own smear campaign. Because if you can't beat them, you join join them. Yep. So the campaign was called Don't Get Boxed In. And it was obviously a reference to the boxes that the online mattress company's products arrive in. You might remember they actually launched it right here in Phoenix first. Oh my gosh. All over the light rail in a direct response to the attack that they felt Tuft and Needle like had going about them in Phoenix. So the ads read, even if bed in a box companies say otherwise, one size doesn't always fit all. Hashtag don't get boxed in. And then it would direct people to don'tgetboxedin.com. Okay, I want to watch the commercial. Strawberry cone, please. There you go. This is vanilla. Our research shows that most people converge on liking vanilla. But I like strawberry. We tested flavors and found that people were universally comfortable with vanilla. Just like vanilla isn't right for everyone. Enjoy. Neither is one mattress. That's why Mattress Firm has a wide selection of all the best brands. So don't get boxed in with no choices. Sleep like you. Learn more at don'tgetboxedin.com. So what do you think? 
I mean, I think it's creative and smart. Okay. Yeah. I agree. At first, I thought the same thing. Another ad said, this box won't carry itself up the stairs, which is like, you know, you have to do it. Like if you live in an apartment, it's delivered, you got to carry it. Okay. They even set up an ice cream truck outside of the Phoenix Art Museum that was plastered with the hashtag don't get boxed in messages and handed out free ice cream. I mean, they went all out. They were like we're going, losing we're their taking shit. taking it down. Yeah. And it was a good try. It was a valiant effort, Mattress Firm, except for what happened next. Mattress Firm got crushed on Twitter. Oh, shit. So one post from Mattress Firm read, don't leave quality sleep up to chance. Learn more about what you're actually getting from a boxed mattress. One customer quickly replied, I bought the dream bed from you and it came in a box. Really starting to feel like you think I made the wrong purchase. Tip. Don't make fun of people for doing what you're doing too. Oh my gosh. So, ouch. I mean, like, Mattress Firm also sold its own line of boxed mattresses. So, like, WTF. Like, what were they thinking? Right? Oh my gosh. So, another Twitter post from Mattress Firm read, Why pay more for the same thing? Boxed mattress prices are rising. Discover the truth about what you're actually paying for. Now, Lex, can you scroll up and read just a few of those comments back to Mattress well, Firm? I'm sure. Twitter. I'll read the comment and then I'll read the handle. Okay. okay. So the first comment is just tuft and needle. They just posted that. And that was posted by Duncan D's Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> then the next one is use tuft and needle for 700 You can get a Cal King. Weak. TN would never have existed if older companies were charging a fair price in the first place. Just saying. Like, oh my God, people are just attacking this it. This went on. I mean, there are hundreds of comments to Mattress Firm's post about like how boxed mattress prices are rising, all supporting Tuft & Needle. Like, they just got schooled. Look at this. Oh, I get it. You're mad because Tuft & Needle is beating you at your own game. Nice try. I yeah. love that. But I have to say... The other thing about Tufty Needle, like once you buy, I'm like a major brand advocate. I tell everyone about my Tufty Needle and the box thing is so cool. Like you get it and you open it and it's like, and it's like a huge surprise. It's like so cool. I'm excited. My kids freak out. They're like, okay, we're ready. It's all rolled up and then you cut the plastic or whatever and it literally just pops up and it's like a full mattress oh my god i'm a tuft and needle virgin i'm so excited it's awesome your kids are gonna freak (laughs) the last one i have to share from twitter is one where tuft and needle directly responded back to its new mattress bff on twitter they posted an image of mattress firm like of an ad that had a box that read this might be the perfect mattress for jake on one side and then on the other side it said but you're blake like trying to make it seem like one does not fit all. Yeah. So along with that image, they posted another image right next to it on Twitter that had a ton of 10-star reviews and testimonials from people named Blake. So they wrote, at Mattress Firm, we beg to differ. Here's what some of our Blakes really think. And the Blakes said things like, very comfortable, fast delivery, and amazing price. Another one said, the bed is phenomenal. I have more energy and I don't wake up feeling sore. I've already recommended your product to several friends and one has already ordered one of her own. Great job and thank you for making a quality product. And it just went on and on and it was seriously like the most perfect dig at that exact campaign that Mattress Firm was like had launched. So I'm calling Tuft & Needle for the win on this battle. Oh my gosh, totally the win. Sorry, Mattress Firm. 
I actually read that Tuft and Edel threatened to countersue if Mattress Firm didn't call off the claims, but I couldn't find out how it ended. I like did a ton of research, but I do know this. Mattress Firm filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in 2018, which we know is just like a reorganization, yeah. but they also closed like 700 stores. And around that same time that Mattress Firm was tanking, Tuft & Needle had grabbed 20% market share of the entire mattress industry. They had also just closed a merger with Serta Simmons Bedding. Oh. Mm-hmm. And at this time, the company was only six years old, and the founders had refused every dollar of VC money. So they had taken out, I think I read it was like a $500,000 loan okay. to fund pre-growth, like maybe, along with their initial like $6,000 investment. Never taken a dollar of VC money despite being having money like thrown at them. Unlike their biggest competitor, Casper, who came up at this time, and they, I mean, they're totally VC-backed and... You know, they've had good growth, but the owners don't own much of the company anymore, right? Yeah. So although the amount that the merger was for is undisclosed, one Forbes article said that consumer product companies typically go for between one to five times sales. At the time, Tuft & Needle sales were $170 million. So they put a valuation between $200 and $800 million on the company, and both co-founders had retained all ownership minus some stake they had given to people like Tim and like other employees, you know? Brilliant. I mean, what a perfect storm. I love it. I know. And I don't think I even need to ask you this, Lex, but I'll do it anyways. Will it stick? Definitely. It will stick. Yeah. And I like box mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love their strategy. I mean, they wanted to disrupt by speaking the truth. They wanted really to like make smart decisions with their marketing. They invested big in their marketing, even when they were cash strapped. I think that's really important to think about. Like when you are in a high growth business, like you have to kind of move really fast with your marketing, even if it means taking some of those big risks and like investing more than you can or more than you're comfortable. Yeah. And I was going to say something about the Twitter thing. I mean, they were smart. They had someone like on it, ready to go that either they trusted. I mean, when something like that happens on Twitter, you got to move quick. You got to be witty and fast and like respond. And if you don't respond the right way, it could be a shitstorm. Totally. And also their voice stayed so authentically true to who it started as. Their voice in every medium, advertising, social media, PR stuff they did, like their responses to the press, the articles they were getting. They had the same voice consistency and that helped customers feel like they were authentically being themselves always. Yeah. I mean, they had confidence in their brand. I think that's key too. It's like whenever you second guess yourself, consumers will see right through it. Like they had to be confident this whole time. Yeah, totally. So I guess it's a sticker in our book. Sticker. Cool. Well, I'm going to go order a Tuft and Needle mattress and I'll drop some of our sources before and I do that. And film it when you hope. <laughs> I will. So I read the Inc. Magazine article by Michelle Chang from 2018 titled Tuft and Needle Left Money on the Table and It's Still Winning the Mattress War. I also read the Huffington Post article by John Rampton from August 2017 titled Mattress Firm Shook After Twitter Exchange with Tuft and Needle. AZ Big Media had a great article from December 2017 that was titled, Why Did Digital Darlings Tuft and Needle Go Brick and Mortar? 
And I listened to the Domain Name Wire podcast episode number 315 titled Acquiring a Killer Domain Name. Tim actually recommended that I listen to it when I told him I was writing this episode. That was when he was interviewed in December 2020. So great story there. I will link out to these and my other sources in my show notes. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you go buy a Tufty Needle mattress. Yeah. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Yep. Have a great day. Bye. See you next week.